1: Here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. And I am your show host, Randy Fine. Throughout the ages across the world, innumerable spiritual explorers have stated that our souls are eternal and grow through the experiences they accrue in an ongoing sequence of incarnations. The soul, a persistent conscious essence, will take one form after another to fulfill a given purpose each time and thus contribute to a collective evolution of the conscious spiritual essence of existence. The original or natal soul becomes anchored in the body and typically experiences a wide range of emotions and life strategies from birth until death. For various reasons, one soul may make an agreement with another to trade places, a walk-in event, because a new soul has walked into a new body. Today's special guest, Sheila Sepp, is the author of Walk-Ins, The Cosmology of the Soul. Sheila wrote it with the assistance of 15 other walk-ins and eight people who provide their perspectives. Many remember their walk-in origins and hail from a number of star systems, the seventh dimension, the thirteenth dimension. This is the first book to provide details about the processes of a soul entering into a body, the various types of walk-ins, such as soul infusions, soul braids, soul overlays, jumpers, and soul layering. Uh, preparation of the energetic bodies prior to a walk-in entering. Um, preparation, the different types of soul experiences, soul origins, and the nature of the soul. <clears throat> Shira Seppi is an author, speaker, multidimensional life coach, healer, regression therapist, and teacher. She obtained her bachelor's degree in metaphysics and master's degree in metaphysical sciences from the University of metaphysical sciences in California and is currently working on her PhD in metaphysics she is the founder of spirit way ministries which serves as a catalyst for focused body mind spirit healing and transformation on an individual and group basis and to help prepare humanity for the ascension and new earth Wow. Okay. Good morning, Sheila, and welcome. <laughs> Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks. Oh, this is just an incredible topic. I'm so excited about this. Um, so, Sheila, in your book, you talk about being a walk-in. What? Tell us your story. How all this began, and you know, and where it went. Sure. Sure. Well, first
0: I want to start out and say, if this had not happened to me, I would not have believed it possible. And I say that because I came from a background that had zero metaphysics, zero alternative healing. I did not believe in past lives. I did not believe in anything alternative. I was um, very fundamental in my belief system. And so I had myself into a little bitty box. And I was really comfortable there. But while I was in there, I became a very sick person. I have been diagnosed over my lifetime and over about 10, 15 years of the potential of brain tumors, um, having multiple sclerosis and was told that I would be in a wheelchair by the time I was 35. I was told that I had... um, chronic fatigue, I had bone cancer, which was diagnosed, and I had an oncologist from Duke University, I had migraines every day, and I had what's called erythema nodosum, and did actually end up walking with a cane, and that's what had affected the lymph lymph node system in my body, made it very painful to walk, and also had sarocardosis, and so that was an autoimmune disease, and I was also just Extremely lethargic. And I had three kids. So a lot of times I was on the couch. I'd go to work. I'd come home. I'd be on the couch. I'd throw something quick for dinner. I'd be on the couch. I'd help with homework from the couch. I'd play with the kids from the couch. I'd go to bed early and start over um, the same scenario each and every day. But one night in September, actually the 22nd of September, I went to bed and I was a very sick person. I was just so tired. I just could not even hardly drag myself into bed. And the next morning, what seemed to be around 7 o'clock, it felt like somebody reached down, grabbed me by the hair of my head, and pulled me bolt upright in bed. Then it was like lightning ran through my body. Now, I don't know how long I was in this state, but I do know I was in a white space. And while I was there, I was out of pain. I felt very comfortable. I felt nurtured. I felt supported. I felt unconditional love and quite honestly did not want to leave this space. But soon my peripheral vision started coming back in and then my frontal vision. And when that happened, and I found myself sitting up in this bed, I'm looking around the room, and everything was the same, but everything was different. It was, it was the strangest feeling that I, that I can describe to you because I was like hyper aware. I had all this energy running through my body, and I could look around the room, and it was almost like the clothing would say, oh, yeah, you wore me yesterday, and you went to work, and da, da, da. And I was getting all this information from everything in the room. And to be quite honest, that was a little freaky. And then when I got out of bed and I walked by the mirror that was in the bedroom and I saw myself, I just kind of stopped and was just gazing in the mirror looking at myself. And, you know, not like from a vanity point of view, but from a, oh, my gosh, look at my hair, look at my skin, look at my teeth, look at my eyes. Well, these types of occurrences kept happening over the next several days, and my background at the time was in psychology. So I thought maybe I was having a psychotic break. I was very sick. I had a demanding job. I had a dysfunctional marriage, and I thought, okay, you know, I just can't handle anymore. All of a sudden, I just sort of snapped. And so I started talking to a few people about the way I was and the things I was experiencing because I started remembering past lives. I started remembering healing modalities that I'd never studied. I started having people talking to me, and I would see people in my house and all kinds of things. I would be with somebody, and I would know everything there was to know about them without them telling me a single word. And as I shared this kind of information with people, it was almost like they crossed their
1: fingers been backed away
0: this. And so I wanted very quickly just not to share that because they were just kind of justifying what I was already feeling or verifying that I thought I was crazy. And right. so I was afraid to say anything. But within three months, I had left the marriage and I had moved to the town where I was working. Now, during that three months, I began to notice I had no more symptoms. And because I was so freaked out when this initially happened, I thought, wow, I can't believe this. I'm feeling pretty good. Well, maybe this is just endorphins flooding my brain and yada yada, so I was making up and, you know, justifying all the feelings that I was experiencing. But when I went to the doctor, I had zero symptoms. Everything had gone away. Everything. And they had absolutely no medical explanation for what had happened to me. So I was thrilled. They were perplexed. But my health, even though I was healed, I had to learn how to eat properly, how to sleep properly. And part of that healing process was clearing out that old cellular debris and memories and some of the behavioral things that had gotten me to the point that I was before the walk-in occurred. So I spent, gosh, probably the next 10 years on, you know, reworking thought processes, behavioral patterns, and all of those types of things, plus the rewiring of the brain because the brain just, I had to develop like new neuropathways uh, in order for this body to, to maintain that healing and to be able to function. So within three months, I had left the marriage because, When I came into this body, the only people that I felt an attachment to were my three children, my mom, my dad, and my sister. And everybody else in my life, I either didn't remember them, or if I did remember them, I had zero attachment to them. Now, that's really strange for somebody like me because my mom was one of 17 children, and between the uncles, the aunts, and first cousins, we were a clan of 61, And we were very close and very tight. And when I was around these people, half the time I didn't even know who they were. And when they were talking with me about things we did as kids, I didn't even remember this stuff. And because of that, one day my mom on the couch and I really need to have a talk with you. I'm afraid that you have the beginning stages of Alzheimer's because you do not remember this person. You do not remember this, blah, blah, blah. And I finally had to tell her, Mom, I'm going to walk in. And I explained to her that in my case, the soul that had inhabited this body left and a new soul came in. And the first thing she said was, do you mean I'm not your mom anymore? I'm like, no, no, just to a new improved version because I still have the same genetics. And that's the thing. When you are a walk-in, you walk into someone else's life. And you have to assume that role. And I always like to make sure that people understand this is a contract between souls or an agreement that is made prior to a soul entering the body. The soul that was in this body was very tired. It had fought. It was weary. It was losing the battle with the help. It was losing the battle with the marriage. It was losing the battle with everything in life and had basically given up and wanted to leave. And I came in, and I assumed this life. I raised the children. Now, when I came in, I had an immediate children, but I didn't have full memory of them. And so there's a lot that I still don't remember to this day. I came in with a very specific set of memories. I could remember, like, birth processes. I could remember a few birthdays, little special things that happened with the kids. And I have asked over the last 22 years that more of it be restored to me. And occasionally I will get something new at Christmas. Oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that I went to Israel. I didn't realize I did this, you know. And so I have all these memories, are there, Shirley. You, you keep so, breaking. Shirley, you you keep
1: Shilla, I mean, Can you hear me? Can you hear me? You, you keep breaking up. Yes, are you moving? I can't can you hear you. No, I know, but you you keep, keep breaking still. up. Okay, all right. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay, now I hear you. We're just missing some words, so I just want to make sure. Uh-oh. Okay.
0: Okay. So um, within six months, I. As I said, within three months, I had left the marriage, and I moved to the town where I was working. But within another three months, I accepted a new position and moved to a different state. And it was there that I found my first spiritual teacher. Now, the reason that I found her is during this first six months, I'm still integrating. I'm still trying to get a handle on what's happening to me. Everything is like a new experience to me. Fortunately, I retained all motor skills and those types of things, but I, it was kind of like everything was new. It was an adventure. And so because I had accepted a new job, was moving to a new state, I had a telephone directory and I was just flipping through to find out what type of services were there because I had children and I came upon an ad. For spiritual counseling now the spiritual felt very good for me because I had a very staunch religious background and the counseling felt good to me because I my background was in psychology and this lady had her PhD in psychology and so I made an appointment to go and to speak with her and I shared my experience and the reason I had made the appointment and I left a message on her machine and said, I think I'm going crazy. I need help. Please, please make time in your schedule to see me. And so after seeing her maybe one or two times, she told me that I was a walk-in. Now, her background not only was psychology, but she was also raised by the Hopi. Her grandmother was Hopi, and she had spent her summers on the Hopi reservation, and she herself – Came a walk-in at the age of five, and so she recognized me as a walk-in, and so I began my journey on trying to accept what a walk-in was because, again, I had no conversation. I had no walk-in in
1: my body, so <clears throat> say that again because we missed that. that. You broke up there. I I had no
0: language to really express what was happening in my mind or in my body at that time. And by working with my spiritual teacher, she helped me to understand what actually a walk-in was. And then I began to feel more at ease. I began to feel like, okay, well, maybe I'm not losing my mind. This is freaky. I've never heard of this. I never have thought about something like this. I didn't even know anything like this could happen, but it felt true to me. And so I began from that place of truth, and I started trying to figure out exactly what a walk-in was. And it took me that, like I said, about 10 years to really be able to walk through that process. And then when I had been in the body 20 years I began to receive messages from my guides that it was time for me to tell my story to others. And, yeah, I wanted to do it, but I thought, eh, I don't know if anybody's going to want to hear this. It's still kind of unbelievable to me. People are going to think I'm crazy, blah, blah, blah. So um, I was just putting it off, and then an illness hit me. And it was during this time that I realized, yeah, I've got to write the book. And I began formulating and rolling over how I would write such a book. And then I had a friend, Barbara Lamb, who's a hypnotherapist in San Diego. And I was talking with her, and she goes, you know, honey, I think this is spirit's way of saying it's time to get started. So I began to write a few things down, and then I shared it with another friend of mine, Andrea Perrin, who is also an author, And she was like, oh, my gosh, honey, you've got to write this down. People are going to want to hear this story. It's amazing. And just by getting that encouragement by people that were not a walk-in that knew me in a different kind of setting, they accepted what I had to say because they understood, they knew me, first off, and they understood that this was a very real and valid experience. And, of course, Barbara had heard about other walk-ins, as had Andrea. And so I wrote the book. And as I was Mm -hmm. writing it, it was like, you know, I really want to know about other walk-ins because I was feeling this community need. Like, I want to talk to other people who've had this experience. And so I began trying to find out other people who might be walk-ins. And I interviewed all kinds of people, and I found 15 individuals that I wanted to include their story in my book. And so I interviewed them extensively. I wrote up their stories and included it in the book. And the thing that really astounded me is I, when I started writing this, I thought everybody's experience was going to be the same as mine, and it wasn't. I found that
1: there were different types okay. uh, yes, so yes. I, I don't So I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I have some questions I want to ask you. Sure. It, that's, that's an amazing, I mean, your story is beyond amazing. It is truly amazing. So I think we need to understand a little bit more about what this is. Um, yes. You talk about the anatomy of the soul, um, and you say the key terminology that you use is source. Khan. I'll let you pronounce that because I probably murdered mm-hmm. it. Higher self soul higher self, soul, soul families, and soul clusters. So what is that word mm-hmm. that I tried to say?
0: Okay, the way I pronounce it is Shantias Khan. And that is a a name that was given to me by my spiritual guides and teachers because after I accepted that I was a walk-in, then I really started asking questions. And by this time, I had already moved from Kentucky, remarried, and was living in Colorado. So I had no teacher again. And so I worked with my guides extensively. And I was like, okay, so what happened to the other soul? I was assured that the it was divine timing for that soul to leave the body. That soul was doing its work on the other side and all was well. I mm. assumed that body and I came in from what was called the Shantias Khan, which is basically a layer of the oversoul. Now, I can talk about over souls all day long, and there's multiple multiple layers, and they start all the way in the void uh with source source being God, mother father creator, um the divine one, however people term would like to term that, but most people would call source God and there is what's called an oversoul and this oversoul is kind of like our own personal cloud storage and it holds all of our thoughts, all of the memories from this and any other lifetime, any experience that we have had since we left source and became a fractal on our own. And so when, because the oversoul is so large, when a person is, um, or when a soul is preparing to incarnate, it can only bring a very, very small, just like a little tidbit. Think of, think of an ocean and think of all the sand, and it's like a little grain of sand that can incarnate into the body. And so that portion of energy that's attached to the Shantias Khan or the oversoul as it begins to come down that's called our higher self and our higher self holds that higher divine wisdom of who we are what our life plan is etc and as we continue to become denser and denser and denser that portion that attaches to the physical body is what's called soul and the soul then is an essence of that oversoul And what infuses gives that life, that energy that surrounds the body and kind of moves to and through the body is what's called spirit. So to me, we have our higher, you know, our higher self that comes down, the soul attaches. But the action of that higher self coming down and infusing that surrounds the body because it's much, much denser is then called the spirit.
1: Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so you said you were told by teacher's guides and reinforced by the download um, that the soul has, that the soul has several processes. Um, it experiences once the death process occurs. And the first thing that happens is the reabsorption of the soul's personality back into the higher self, which in turn retracts into the Shantiyas Khan, taking with it mm-hmm. all experiential information and knowledge of the lifetime. So um, is, this, is this the process that you're talking about, or can you explain it? So you explained it from sort of um, the development of us, the soul, uh, from the top mm-hmm. down, but what happens from the bottom up? What happens from, you know, okay. from death up? Okay, first and foremost, I want to let people know out
0: there that I I always tell my clients that there should really be no fear for this death process because it's merely closing your eyes here and waking up there. And for me, because I remember both, it was so much easier to leave the body than to cram yourself in and you know, be coming from this beautiful place of love and support and, you know, unconditional love into the physical form. When you leave the body, you step back into that unconditional love and it is a beautiful process. It's almost like, I can breathe again. But what happens on the, um, I guess you could say the esoteric level, what happens is, When the soul actually leaves the body, that's when physical death occurs because the soul, the body cannot be animated unless the soul is attached. And we are attached to the body by what's called a cord. When that cord dissolves and that soul is free to leave, all of the information of this lifetime is taken back into the Shantias Khan or the Oversoul. So if you think about a straw and you're sucking on a straw, you're pulling liquid out of the bottom of a glass, that's kind of like what would be happening. That soul energy and information is coming up through the straw, which is the higher self. And instead of going into the mouth, it goes into the Shantiyas Khan. And so it is a beautiful, beautiful um, experience. Now, as we're moving through this experience, We're moving through layers of time. We're moving through layers and frequencies and energies. And we move through the astral realms and those kinds of things. But the process itself is very,
1: very peaceful, very loving, very joyful. um, It just sounds, yeah, I mean, I, I have no fear of death because I believe all of this. And, um, yeah, I think it's just, we're just entering a new, you know, a new phase of our soul, you know, in a new dimension. Um, Right.
0: One of the memories that I do bring in with me, or I should say one of the truths, here on earth feels very real. And it is real. We are having this experience. But the reality of it is it was set up for us. So while we're here on this earth, it's almost like we're dreaming these experiences and when we wake up is when we're on the other side and that's where the real life is the soul is eternal we never ever die so people when they they think of death it's just this physical encasement i say you know our body is the vehicle how we move on this third dimensional plane on the earth Um, It's kind of our meat suit, you know, and so it's the clothing that we wear, and it's nothing more. That's it. That's all that it is, and while we're here, we have the opportunity to have emotions. We were able to touch. One of the things I remember when I first came in, I was touching and feeling everything. Texture was, like, amazing to me. Food was amazing to me, and it's not like that you don't know what it's like on the other side. You do. But here you're experiencing, you you know, you touch, you feel. On the other side, you know everything. You know what it's like to be like the leaf on the tree that's on the branch that's, you know, attached to the trunk of the tree. You know what it's like to be the roots pulling the nutrients up. You know what it's like to be the soil that's them you know, the nutrients moving through it. You know all of these things. You experience all of these things. But it's different. You know, I tell people a lot of times is there's a difference from knowing the path and walking the path. You can know what something is like. And we can know what an experience is like. But when we actually experience it, it might be a little bit different than what we thought. And so here things are a little bit different than what we think on the other side.
1: So... All right, so we talked about, um, I want to talk about the experiences and the origins, and um, did we talk about soul exchanges? Yes, we did, I think.
0: Um, Yes, I'm I'm soul exchange, meaning one soul out and another soul in, but when I wrote the book, after interviewing people, I found out that there were lots of other types of soul
1: experiences. Okay, so the soul infusion is, how is that different? Okay. Well, I have discovered that there's two different types of
0: soul infusions. And the type that I'm speaking of in the book uh, specifically is when a higher aspect of you from within your Shantius Khan comes down into the body and you have more of your soul essence. Now, that can happen instantaneous. And when that happens, it's under the classification of walk-in soul experiences. But also, people more and more are experiencing this through meditation, through prayer work, asking that more of their higher self, more of their oversoul information come into their body. And so there's two ways that that can happen. So one is purposefully, and the other one is um, your soul... On this higher self, your oversoul decides, hey, this is what needs to occur. Then there's what's called an overlay. Now, in my case, I would have been a prime candidate for an overlay because when you have an overlay, the original soul stays in the body. The new soul comes in and kind of enshrouds the old soul and the old soul being what's called the natal soul or original soul to the body. And so as it enshrouds it, it kind of fits like a neoprene suit, okay? And so it feeds energy into the soul. And sometimes that soul then gets enough energy that it can leave. And sometimes that soul is infused and the oversoul aspect leaves. And sometimes the two of them will merge together. And then we have what's called a braided soul. And that's where you actually have two souls that work together as one, but... One is at the forefront at all times, and then it can recede and the other comes. And sometimes as one aspect grows, the other aspect will have to leave. Then we have what's called a jumper. And a jumper is a soul that comes in just for a very specific Maybe it's to help someone through a trying time or it's maybe it's to help someone through an illness or maybe there's an aspect that just wants to come and have a certain experience and the souls have agreed on another time that when the natal soul is at a certain point of maturity that this other soul can kind of come in for a visit and then it leaves. Then we have what's very fascinating to me and that's called the soul layering. And that's when multiple aspects of your Shantius Khan incarnate at the same time. And throughout your life, one aspect will come forward, and then it will recede, and then another aspect comes forward, and then it will recede. Now, a lot of times people say, well, gosh, that sounds to me like a split personality. But there's a very big difference. Split personality is a state of, you know, mental health or a lack. Of mental health. And when you have soul layering, this is a very agreed upon, very grounded. The people that I know that have soul layering, I mean, some of them hold degrees from Harvard University. I mean, these are very, very grounded individuals that would not exhibit any signs of mental illness. And so walk-ins is a large phenomenon that has been around for hundreds of years, but it's something that's very, very
1: rarely talked about. You're right. It is very, and as I said before, we got on uh, the air that, you know, after doing this show for over 10 years and over 500 shows, this is the first time that this has come across my desk, um, you know, and so I jumped right on this topic. Um, You say, according to Dolores Cannon's work, there are three realms found within the astral plane. Um, so can you explain what, what they are?
0: Yeah, so within the astral plane, there are, Dolores talks about three realms, and um, a lot of people are familiar with this first astral realm that I'll talk about. When someone is astral traveling, for example, they will travel through this realm. If people are just leaving the physical body, they will pass through this realm. This is the realm that is the closest to the earth, and it's almost like it is an etheric layer of the earth. And so there are disincarnate souls that you can find there, and these may be individuals that are not even familiar that they have already passed over because this first layer is an exact double of the earth. So that's what would be considered the etheric double. Then the second realm is what people might call uh, heaven. And this is a place that is very peaceful. It's very joyful. A lot of people have stopped here, and they're sort of resting and relaxing. They're re. Acquainting themselves with friends and family. And then that third layer is where a lot of the knowledge is found. And um, people who have been regressed from for, through the QHHT have called it the halls of knowledge. And there are huge temples, huge marble, beautiful buildings that people can go into and they can uh, digest tons and tons of information and it's not just about themselves or earth but it's about the universe and it is about other universes other galaxies and other um humans or other types of humanoid beings or star people as we call them
1: so if we are souls um and we as we move through these um these planes we, aren't, we don't have a physical body because the physical body is something we use here on Earth to experience. Correct. Um, so how do we, how do we um, see or can we see and touch and feel these buildings? Are they ap- actually structures like we would have here? They are structures, and we
0: can feel them to the extent that we feel in etheric form. Now, we don't feel the same way that we feel here, you know, because we could touch the building and our hand could become one with the building, okay? And so they're very, very different. I always like to tell people, and on the other side, it's just like it is here. It doesn't necessarily look like here. Earth is a very... Um, I should say, a pale representation of what's on the other side. Colors are more vibrant. There's just unconditional love. There's so much excitement. You know, it's like, oh, When I was on earth, I was really excited to meet this person. I'm going to go see if I can find him. You know, I mean, we can do all of the things that we always wanted to do. We also have jobs. You know, some people are assigned to be spirit guides. Some people are assigned to be teachers. And so it's just like everything is just like it is here. When you're having a conversation, it's just like we're having a conversation. And my friend uh, Mark Breckenhoff says, because – He was born fully awake. He's a walk-in, but he has no um, what we call the veil of forgetfulness. That just did not exist for him. And when he goes to the other side, he's always saying, you know, if you are working in meditation or you're working and you're having a channeler and they start to compliment you or they start to really speak in language that you can't really understand that you have to ask, are you of the light? Type of spirit because there, just like there is here, there's good and there's bad. There's not necessarily evil, and the bad is just you know mischievousness. But you really have to be discerning when people are like, um, say, with mediums and getting information, even with your guides. And I always ask my guides, you know, are you of the light? Are you of the
1: light?
0: Are you of the light? And they have to tell you. And that's something that my Hopi teacher taught me one of the first things because I was like, oh my gosh, this person's in my house and they're saying this and that, that, that. She goes, honey, the next time you talk to them, you ask them three times, are you of the light? And they have to tell you. And then you can ask them. One of the names that is the highest, of course, it was Jesus, and you can ask them to repeat the name of Jesus, or the name of God, and if they cannot do that, they are not of the light because they do not resonate with that frequency, and they'll go away. And I did have, there at the beginning, I was working with some um, energies that were telling me all these wonderful things, and I'm, and thank God I had a teacher to bounce this off of, and she taught me you have to have discernment. And I started praying for discernment. Please let me know this is freaky enough without trying to be tricked by energies i don't even understand what it is that i'm doing anyway and so i was in my shower one day and i wasn't even i wasn't thinking about anything i was actually just getting ready for work and all of a sudden there was like this metal blob this silver um oval shape and it opened the center of it opened and it was an eyeball staring at me and of course i dropped my soap and screamed i'm like "Ah!" You know, even, you, you would think I'd, you know, not do that stuff, but that was pretty cool. It
1: like so, was like a anyway, horror movie. Big,
0: I know, but it was beautiful in the same token. And then I was like, oh, my God, what was that? What was it? And I heard in a voice very loud said, you have been given the gift of discernment. Now, oh, why that eyeball wow. had to appear. Why couldn't I have received a dozen roses or something? But it was that eyeball looking right at me. And um, because I I guess because I asked what that was, then they told me that I had the gift of discernment. And things began to get a little easier for me after that. And so, you know, even though I'm a walk-in soul, I like to tell people I'm no different than anybody else. You know, you have a soul. I have a soul. It's just that my soul got here a little different. You know, I took a different mode of transportation. You came in at birth. Fantastic! I came in at the age of thirty-eight um, because I have a mission, and my mission is to kind of be a wayshower to help prepare people to get them ready for the ascension. And one of the things I have done, of course, is to get the book out, which you can—I'll give a little shameless plug. It's on Amazon, and it's also in um, you know audio book or the Kindle format. But I've done that. But then we've also started what's called the Wish Alliance, and we have a website wishalliance.org and I'm constantly bringing speakers free of charge and anyone can sign up and come to our zoom meetings and we have tons of consciousness speakers and like next month we've got Mary Rodwell and we have James Twyman coming and we have Barbara Lamb and just a whole host of other individuals and our calls are typically two hours and we have a speaker for an hour And then we have uh, questions and answers. And it's really cool because, you know, if somebody's been following James Twyman's work since The Secret or they they listen to his podcast or they, you know, whatever – they get a chance to personally ask him questions. And so we typically have, you know, probably anywhere from 35 to 55 people on these calls, but they're open to anyone. They just have to go to the wishalliance.org and sign up and I'll put them on the mailing list and then they can attend these. And for me, that is an outreach of my mission. Because um, when I first moved to Colorado, I was doing lots of spiritual work with people. I was doing readings. I was doing, you know, psychic work on their body. I was doing spiritual healings on the body. But one day, my guide said, you know, people cannot drop into the essence of who they truly are when they're in pain. You're Mm -hmm. going to have to provide additional modalities. And so I started learning Tons and tons of different modalities, and today I have my own business, Spirit Way Wellness, and people can find that online at SpiritWayWellness.com, and we just provide a ton of information. And the cool thing is, um, when people come in here, they may be they may not have any knowledge of walk-ins, or they may not even believe in walk-ins, and that's okay and then like yesterday I had a family that came they actually made their vacation to come here just so they could come and for me to work on them because they had made friends with somebody who had moved from this area to their state and they had received healing and it was similar to what type of healing was needed in their family and so when they came in part of the issue was I immediately recognized that this was a star person and they were having trouble integrating into the physical body. And so I do that type of work too. But, you know, from the time I started my business until now, spirit has always said, go bigger. Go bigger, go bigger. And at first I thought it was me that had to go bigger and that I had to provide the services and I was working myself to death literally and I had zero time. I was, you know, working during the day. I was teaching at night. I was doing workshops on the weekend and I was burning the candle at both ends and was just about to give out. And then it dawned on me. I don't have to do all the work. And so that was like this great revelation to me. Woohoo! And that's when I started bringing in other healers and other guest speakers. And now it's grown to where we have the Wish Alliance. And if people are looking for some type of, say, if they want a DNA activation or they've had contact or they have questions about animal communication, they can go to the website and under the section that's called Ambassadors Services, they can click on that, and there's a whole plethora of information, and they can contact these people. And I don't have to do that. And these are people that are all across the world, and that was part of my mission. That was part of that Go Bigger. And so, you know, I've really... I feel like I've been, you know, guarded, guided, and blessed the whole time that I've been here because doors just open. All I have to do is walk through them. I've had wonderful support. My family, even though they don't always agree or believe in what I'm telling them, they support me, and they love me. And, I, you know, you can't ask for anything better. I, I came into an idyllic situation, and not all well, people have that. And so no, if there no. are people that are having – strange experiences or if they think that they might be a walk-in or if they have memories from another planet and they, they don't know what to do with that They can get a hold of me at the Wish Alliance or they can get a hold of me at Sheila Seppi at SheilaSeppi.com. And sometimes it takes me, you know, several days to get back to people, but I always try to answer people because I have been so blessed. I want to be there to help other people through their processes as well.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm so glad you gave us all that information. That sounds wonderful. So um, I wanted to talk about alien um, or star seeds or whatever, which I think I am. Mm-hmm. But um, do, so, what happens? Um, so, start. So, aliens um, from other galaxies, other planets, whatever, can also be walk-ins. Sure.
0: I'll be honest. I don't believe there is but a few people that are indigenous to the earth. I believe we're all from somewhere else. We are all multidimensional spirits, and right now we're having a human experience. And because your Shantia's Khan or your Oversoul is so large, you can be having multiple experiences all at the same time. You can be a Palladian right now as you are a human. You could be on an aqua, um, you know, like you could be a a mermaid-type individual on a planet that has nothing but water. You could be... um, you know, from Lyra, you can have multiple experiences all at one time because our Shantias Khan is so, so large. And because of that, when we incarnate into this body, unless we are what I call a source seed and have just recently um, come from source itself, then we've been other places. We've had other experiences. And I know when I came in that I came in from my collective. I came in from the totality of who I truly was. And I did not to incarnate this time, but I chose to. It was Mm -hmm. kind of like a, a volunteer kind of mission because I was already in the fullness of my spirit. But some people come in straight from another planet, like my friend Hildegard, who's in the book, and she came from the Andromedan system. And when she came into the body, she had to be taught all over again how to take care of her children, how to take care of herself, how to take care of a house. She had none of these skills because she came from a planet, she was a scientist on that planet. And so when she opens her eyes and she's in this physical body, they ask her what happened. She goes, well, I'm an Andromedan scientist, you know, I'm from the seventh <laughs> dimension. And they're like, okay, where's the padded room, you know, kind of thing. Right, right. So she learned really quick, uh-uh, I can't say those kinds of things. So, but she had, her guides actually had to help her. She did not know they would say, you have to wake your children up. You have to pack a lunch, and this is what you put in a lunch. So they had to help her every step of the way because she was from another star system and came into human form, and she had very little training on that. Another lady who um, is actually from Japan had an experience where she actually kind of shadowed the person for a long period of time to learn what the habits are, to learn how, how she ate, how she slept, how she interacted with her family and humanity um, at large. And so when this woman went into a coma, that's when the soul exchange happened and her soul left. But because there are so many different types of soul experiences, unless you are a walk-in, a lot of times people really don't know. And when I'm saying a walk-in, I'm, I'm referring to the soul exchange, you know, okay. because for me, everything in my life was different, everything. And it was all brand new, and I didn't remember things. And actually, I did not even come from the same Shantia's Connor Oversoul that the natal soul was from, from this body. And so I did not have any of the characteristics. My personality changed. Everything about me changed, and people looked at me in awe. Their mouths dropped open. First off, I was totally healed. And second of all, I didn't listen to the same music. I didn't dress the same way. I didn't talk the same way. I believe my IQ must have gone up 20 or 30 points, no joke. I mean, it was very, very obvious to anyone who knew me something had happened to me. And like I said, I feel like I've been very blessed. And other people who come in have not been that fortunate. But if they're coming straight from a planet. Um, then they're going to have those planetary memories with them. And I believe that most of the people that are on the planet right now are what we would call, you know, star people or star seeds, that the original soul, when they incarnated, came in from another planet. And I think that the reason that's happening is we're helping to raise the frequency of this planet so that it can actually make its ascension. And as it makes its ascension, then we make our ascension. Yes.
1: Yes. <clears throat> there can, there's a, there's light workers everywhere. We're all waking up. Yes. All these light workers are helping us. Yes. Um, so absolutely. The last question I have for you is, do we, so I know that walk-ins are an agreement that is made before we incarnate. Um, Does a negative entity ever walk in to a body? My
0: guidance tells me no because um, these have to be prearranged contracts. When you're on the other side, you're not going to say, okay, now I'm going to have a malevolent soul walk into this body and wreak havoc. No, that doesn't happen. Now, can a soul come into a body, totally forget who they are, and go down the wrong path? Absolutely. That happens all the time. Just look around the world. You know, people think they're people. They don't realize that their souls have a human experience. They think they are what they see as a reflection in the mirror. Right. So I, I've never met a walk-in or anyone who has had these types of soul experiences that I'm talking about that have had negative experiences. Now, we all have bad things that happen to us, of course. But as far as the soul essence being negative, no. Mm-hmm. Because okay. there are lines of souls waiting to come in here.
1: There's lines of souls. <laughs> wow. That's so amazing. Um, what else did I want to ask you? So the, the, because you're making because souls make an agreement, so if somebody leaves early, they have fulfilled their contract, their agreement for being here. And so the amount of growth that they intended on um, on experiencing or happening here on the earth plane they've already they hit that they've reached their contract right they fulfilled their yes. contract and then they go and then you come in okay now do you have a contract and as well like in,
0: no i did not have a contract but i used to laugh and tell my students it was kind of like oop free body you know but that's <laughs> not exactly the way that it was there was no contract made there was no prearranged contract when the soul initially incarnated into this body but as this soul reached the fulfillment of its contract there was a soul made that i would, um, an agreement made that i would come in so it's never like a hostile takeover there's always an agreement
1: Always okay. an agreement okay so the soul that had incarnated at some point Um, connected with your soul and asked you to come in and take over? Yes. Okay. Yes, there was an agreement. Do you remember that moment when you were asked to come in? I don't necessarily remember that moment. Uh,
0: What I do remember is that I mentioned uh, Dolores Cannon in the book for a reason because she 's talking about the three waves of volunteers um, that have come to the earth, uh, not just you know what the different planes are around the earth and in this wave of volunteers, these are souls that agree to come in and to help with this ascension process that's going on. And I do know that what would be called, I guess, the 80s in, the, in the Earth time, we were, when I say we, it was the collective that I am with, the Oversoul Energy as a whole, was doing work in another galaxy, and we heard a cry come up from Gaia and we agreed to come and to assist. And for years we had worked around the earth in the crystalline grid, infusing it with unconditional love, compassion, helping people to wake up. And when the soul of this body cried out to be released, that resonance was heard and picked up by the collective that I was in, and it was decided that I would be the aspect that incarnates. I do remember that. But I do not remember, like, that soul coming up and saying, okay, hey, this is a situation kind of thing. But I do remember Mm -hmm. there was a cry that went up from the soul, that frequency hit into our collective, and it was kind of like there was a, a resonance match, and it was decided that the the part
1: that's speaking to you right now would come in. so you talked about the the layers of um of the other side um are the same do the same layers exist for other dimensions and other planets? Do they look like how do they appear?
0: Well, it's just going to depend. Um, there are very humanoid-looking species, Palladian being the most humanoid to us. Uh, there are hominid-type uh, beings with, you know, the the head, the two arms, and the legs. Pretty much everywhere uh, that you go, there are some energies that would appear almost aquatic to us. There are some that are very etheric that never take any type of form. All of the planets in our solar system are teeming with life. It's just that they don't look exactly like us. Even our sun has life forms living there, but they're in a different frequency level. Obviously, the human form has to have a certain set of conditions in order to be able to thrive. And Earth is the place that, as, that our forms thrive the best. Could we thrive on another planet? Mm, you know, if we had suits on, you know, Mars, there's life there. There's life. There's life everywhere on all of the moons, everywhere. But abundant, abundant life, like abundant, abundant life. life, abundance, abundance of life everywhere throughout the universe, in this universe and other universes, but those universes have their own particular set of laws that govern them. And we have certain ones that govern us. The oversold principle is pretty much the same everywhere that you go. And the difference is some places, like if you were on a different planet, they may be very aware that they're having an earth experience right now or that they're having, you know, an earth experience, a mantis experience, a um, insectoid experience, whatever it is, they would have that awareness that that's occurring. And people who incarnate onto this planet, if they do not have that veil of forgetfulness can also be aware of that at the same Hmm. time.
1: Okay. So when our... When, our, um, when NASA sends somebody to the moon and they walk on the moon or they go to Mars or whatever, <laughs> this is a funny question. Do the life forms scatter? <laughs> Do they scatter and say, no, don't look at us? Because well, generally okay. all you see is like.
0: <laughs> well, first off, we're not seeing what's truly up there. You okay. know there used to be years ago you could go onto to YouTube and you would be able to find videos that had been uh people had break basically broken into NASA archives and pulled out some original footage and there are structures everywhere, and there are also structures everything does not have to be on top of a planet; it can also be inside of a planet, and it can also oh. be enshrouded mm-hmm. by a layer that appears to be one thing and underneath that layer or that dome is thriving life.
1: Oh, that's so not incredible.
0: everything, you know, yeah. And like um I have never experienced this. There are many, many people who have that I've talked to and I have no reason to disbelieve them, but that there are actual civilizations that are within the earth and they consider us, the top dwellers. And these are individuals who have been or societies actually who have been on this earth pretty much since the inception of the earth who have found that it's much more conducive to live underground because of all the variety of earth changes that take place, whether it be volcanic eruptions, whether it be floods, whether it be the ice age, whatever it is, they find that it's easier to thrive underground. Now, I've never, ever met any of these individuals, never. But that doesn't mean they don't exist. You know, right. you can't see a soul, yet the majority of the world's population that believes that we have a soul. And so... You know, I have learned because the old me would have discounted all of this because there wasn't any proof, you know. And the new me is kind of like, you know what, just because I haven't seen it and experienced it does not mean that it's not real. And it also doesn't mean that it's not real for that person because you never know what type of dimensional frequencies they're working with. You Mm -hmm. know, when I talked earlier about, It felt like lightning ran through my body, and I sat bolt right up in bed. What had actually happened is when that new soul came in, it came in through the top of my head, and it was with such force that it thrust me upward, and that's what allowed um, for the uh, natal soul to leave because it came through the center of my chest. Mm -hmm. And so did I witness that? No. Is there a video of it? No. Did it happen? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember it with such clarity. It's one of those things that's like, I'll never forget it. Absolutely will never forget it. I'll never forget the feeling, the sensations. I'll never forget the awe that I have felt in learning that there is so much more out there than we're led to believe, that there's so much more. And right now we live in such a phenomenal time. I think it's the 25th of this month that the military is supposed to turn over to Congress all the information that they have on, you know, unidentified flying objects or unidentified aerial I forget what Mm -hmm. they call them now, UAPs, yes. And, you know, whether they will actually release to the public 100% of what they know or if they're going to spoon feed people so that they don't totally freak out, I have no idea. But I find it very, very exciting that a lot of times on mainstream news, they're talking about life on other planets because it's about time that we open up and understand that there's so much more out there. Could you imagine what it would be like for a a bunch of school kids to load up in a ship and take a field trip to another planet and be back (laughs) in time for dinner? Hello? I mean, um, there's so much that we're missing out on because information is being withheld because – you know, a lot of times the belief is that we just can't handle that information. That's
1: right. And it's I a lot, think that a lot of that's fear. why.
0: Yes. And I think that's why there are so many star people here now. I think mm-hmm. that's why there's so many walk-ins here that we're helping to raise that consciousness because over the course of a year, I might come in contact with a thousand individuals and I can guarantee you I talk to everybody I meet about their soul. Everybody. In one form or fashion, I get there. And, you know, well, what are your thoughts? What are your rigid- religious beliefs? What are your spiritual beliefs? You know, that kind of thing. Because I want to make sure that everyone I come in contact with, I can at least plant a few seeds. I'm not saying people need to believe what I believe because God knows there's probably people out there that's like, whoo, boy, she was a fruit Loop. And that's okay. That's okay because I don't need people to believe me because I know what's true for me. And right. I just want to share that with other people so they can find out what's true for them. And when we make this shift, not everybody's going to be of one mind and one accord. That's not going to happen. There's going to be some people that need to continue a third dimensional experience and they'll be on another third dimensional planet getting to work through this. We all will get there eventually. Eternity is a long time. There's no rush. On getting this right so we have free we have the free will to make the decisions that we need to for the growth of our soul and hopefully when we incarnate we have such firm resonance with those beliefs that they're able to unfold in our life over time because even around our body you know, we of course we've got our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, causal, astral, so all those different bodies. But the closest to the body, and people can, everybody can see this if they just unfocus their eyes, look at a person up against a blank wall, and just kind of look past that person. You're going to see this little envelope of light around the body, and that's the etheric blueprint, and that is what's carrying all of the spiritual genetics as well mm-hmm. as the physical genetics that make up the human body. Okay. And so well, we have to
1: stop. Oh, I know we could talk about this all day, but we do have to stop. Um, and I think, you know, what you just said um, really is a great way to end it. And um, I I just thank you so much for, for being my guest today because and, and bringing this incredible information i know i am just tingling <laughs> with energy mm-hmm. from hearing Wonderful. it and it, it's very exciting so i hope that um we are reaching other people and um opening up their minds even just a little bit so yes. thank you thank, thank you Sheila, for writing this book and for um coming on today it's been a pleasure thank you you are welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's
0: show. Visit randifine.com, dot ecom and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.